Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today's guest once contemplated, actually more than once, contemplated taking his life. In fact, he once said, I was afraid, not of dying, but of living. Profound words, chilling words. We'll find out more in just a minute. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. And I'm happy to introduce to you Mark Rossiti, a retired Army major who is trained as an orthopedic physician's assistant. He enlisted in the Army in 1989, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what that Army experience was like. Mark, welcome to Mind Talk. Tell us a little bit about what your experience was like as you enlisted in the Army in 1989. Well, um, you know, looking back, um, uh, I was one of the more older recruits, um, uh, just landing at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where they... Uh, they, sh- they shuffled us into these big cattle trucks, and they took us to our basic uh, training area. And uh, during that time, I, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, change of impressions, should I say, <laughs> coming from a civilian-based uh, life to uh, now you're active-duty military. And uh, uh, shortly after that time, basic training, I was uh, sent off to... Uh, um, you know, Operation Desert Storm. That was my first deployment in back in uh, 1991. And then, unfortunately, from Desert Storm, you had Kosovo enduring freedom, Iraqi freedom. You had several deployments. Correct. I think a uh, total of five um, uh, deployments um, during my 24-year uh, mm. term. Just going to break away for a moment and like to introduce you to Mark Rossiti's wife, Dr. Sonia Rossiti, who today is in private practice specializing in the treatment of trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. Sonia, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Dr. Rossiti, you make the distinction between trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, and for many folks, they're the same thing. Is there a difference? Sure. Um, so, so trauma is just something that that is traumatic in nature. Now, all of us respond to something that is traumatic in nature in multiple different ways. Um, some of us respond back with a, a horrified um, moment, and some of us, it lasts for longer. So, so let, let's say a horrible, uh, a horrific car accident happened and 10 people witnessed it. Um, those 10 people's experience is going to be very, very different. Now, all of them saw the same trauma, but some of them may have PTSD due to it, which means that the symptoms as far as um, a 
an increased fear response as far as intrusive thoughts, as far as possible flashbacks, nightmares, um, and and really the, the inability to kind of calm down and the inability to deal with those internal triggers can last for a, a lifetime. So we, we know that the percentage as far as folks who really continue to suffer those symptoms is somewhere between 20 to 25 percent. So, you know, 100 percent experience the same trauma, but about a fourth to a fifth of those people are going to continue to have really long-term struggles with it. Now, a majority will have short-term. Uh, a majority are, are going to continue to have, within the next couple weeks, difficulties with it, but those problems will slowly fade away. Mark, you just heard your wife describe the difference between trauma and and post-traumatic stress. For you, and I, and I want to uh, share with the audience the name of the uh, book, Mark, that you have written, which is entitled, I Just Want to See Trees, A Journey Through Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Mark, for you, clearly you were saying that post-traumatic stress disorder was part of your life. Right. Uh, so in my case, being a, um, a first-line um, provider, clinician, uh, seeing the trauma up front, uh, seeing the the horrors of modern warfare, uh, having to treat uh, uh, the sick and the wounded on the battlefield, those that was my form of of uh, PTSD, where it manifests year or manifests, you know, months and months later, as survivor's guilt, you know, having seen uh, uh, you know soldiers in your unit dying in front of you. Uh, and not being able to uh, fix the unfixable, you know, uh, and that that was the that was the kind of thing that plagued me for years, and that was the the trauma that I experienced. Mark, you, as we've indicated, you were deployed five times um, during the course of your army career. What's your sense of the impact of so many deployments? And and I guess I have to ask, is five considered so many deployments? Uh, but what is your sense of the impact of having multiple deployments on your sense of self and on your trauma? Well, you know, oddly enough, um, the, 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 the time I felt most whole was when I was deployed. Um, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to kind of understand, but you know, when, when you're back home after you've deployed once and you're thinking about, um, your life while deployed, you somehow on the conscious level say, no, I'd never want to go back. never want to do that again. But somewhere deep inside you, you're saying, I need to go back. Um, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, from, in my case, my deployments were pretty spread out, uh, at least from Desert Storm to Kosovo and uh, Kosovo to uh, um, uh, my, my tour in Iraq, uh, my tours in Iraq. Uh, the, you know, there's some space between them, but there, the up-tempo of the military during those years was very high. Uh, five is about average, but you see folks going in with six, seven, eight deployments. Um, and, and a lot of these are back-to-back. Uh, so it's kind, of a, it's kind of a mixed bag on that side. 
you know, it's hard for um, a civilian um, such as myself, it's hard to really think about five deployments. Um, and then when you talk about some people experiencing more and back to back, I don't know if, if there's a way to explain to the listeners how that impacts you. Oh, it, 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 it really does. I mean, in a lot of ways, in a lot of fronts. So, you know, the, the best, best quote I heard uh, was a soldier of all men prays for peace. Uh, and that is really true. Uh, what happens is that, you know, you, you miss out on, on anniversaries, you miss out on birthdays, you miss out on, on family moments, you miss out on Christmases and all these things. Um, and this is a, a life that a soldier has signed up for. This is what we signed up for. We got it. But, you know, there, it, it's, it's a hard life. People come back to, uh, uh, to uh, divorces. They come back to, um, you, know, uh, you know, very difficult um, uh, change in, in, in personality with the folks around them or with themselves. These are the big sacrifices. So I met Mark when he came back from his last deployment. So okay. I, I, I didn't go through any of the, the deployments with him. But what, what I can tell you is that those six months feel very, very long, and the year feels forever, and the 18 months that sometimes deployments are within the Army is an, an eternity. Um, so I, I specialize a lot with child and families, and so just from the family and especially from the child perspective, you're missing a whole school year. So if, if you think about how much your child changes in a whole school year, and, and to miss that, and, you know, depending on the age, those attachments really, really differ. So, you know, e even though we think, oh, well, if, if the child is younger, maybe this won't have such a big in impact. However, those attachments are huge. And so when, when you think of, of nine months later coming home and, you know, your, your child having seen you on Skype and on FaceTime um, and videos of you, but then, you know, not, not knowing who you are when you come back, it, it's really, really difficult to have that connection, to have that attachment. And then to have a deployment come up a year or two later again, you know, the, this is really why the, the divorce rate is really high. Children actually have a really hard time uh, learning. We've, we've seen a lot more learning problems with kids um, who have a parent who deployed. And, you know, oftentimes we also have dual military. And so in, in the case of me and my husband, you know, both of us were dual military at the, the same time. So, you know, you, you can have both parents deploying at around the same time as well. Which is certainly a whole other conversation that we could have and one that I have to think is a nightmare for the parents as well as the children. Right.
Mark, you had many skills, have many skills, um, fluent in several languages, and I do mean several. Um, you had your physician assistant residency from uh, Womack Army Community Hospital in North Carolina, a Master of Science degree uh, in physician assistant studies, a bachelor's degree. So for a lot of folks listening, there would be the thought, well, wait a minute, this guy's, he's got, he knows all these languages, he's got all this education, what could he have to feel so badly about that it would feel to him like living was more of a challenge than dying? That is a, that is a super awesome question. Um, so with, with, uh, with a survivor's guilt, what happens is that you start feeling like, how do I rate? How is it that I get to live and this guy who I'm treating right in front of me is dying in my arms and I can't do anything about it and that's, you know, I can stabilize him the best I can, but bottom line is I know he will not make it to Baghdad, okay? So you have that in the back of your mind. Then you don't feel worthy of anything. You don't, you don't feel you deserve a family. You don't feel you deserve life. You, des you don't deserve kindness. You don't deserve anything. The only thing, like I said, in my, even in my book I wrote, the, 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 the time I felt... The best was when I was laying in the dirt and sitting there at the base of the tree. That, you know, that explains it all. It doesn't matter if you are a king or a beggar. This, this, this affliction affects us all the same. And you're right. Why, why you know, if, if you're doing so well, what, what do you have to complain about? Absolutely. On the conscious level, you're 100% correct. But, you know, the demons come at night when you're sleeping. They wake you up. In the middle of the night, and they and they and they torture you throughout the day. You try to maintain. You try to continue doing your life as normal as possible. You see your patients. You do your work well. You come home, and you're standing in front of the door with your house, and saying, "God, I, I, I have, I feel incredibly numb. I don't, you know, I don't want anybody around me. I'm pushing all my friends and family away. Um, I'm." You know, these are the things that, that people don't understand. The disease gets a hold of you, and it is, um, is relentless. It, um, you know, even to this day, I still have to maintain myself with going to counseling and, and still do all the things I need to do with medication in order to keep me, you know, somewhat balanced and, and, and well. Um, not, on a, not as regular as before. Certainly is more like a maintenance thing now. But still, you know, I still have to maintain it because it... Um, it still rears his ugly head every once in a while. Mark, I, I wonder for for those who are uh, on the front line and they are seeing themselves and their buddies being hurt, harmed, killed by the quote unquote enemy, but it's not a bullet that they shot. It's not a a weapon that they launched. I wonder if that has an impact, that kind of trauma has an impact that's different from you as a clinical person, and, and your job is actually to save that person's life. Is there a difference? Do you think the, the impact is different? I think the scenario is different. I think that in the end result, the final analysis, I think it's, it, it winds up to about the same thing. Okay. We, we all have the same kind of nightmares. We all have the same uh, type of, um, uh, uh, you know, 
that this hypervigilance, we all have this uh, isolation, we all do the same stuff. Well, you know, as you know, we have 20 to 22 veterans a day that are committing suicide. This is a crisis in our hand that is, that is, uh, is uh, you know, you know, we're trying to mitigate. But, you know, this is the reason why, you know, this disease is not well understood yet. I think there's a lot of people that are putting great effort into figuring, uh, finding the, the code to this and how to figure this out. Um, in my case, I, I've gotten counseling and I've done, I've done very well with counseling and, and medication. And, you know, even to this day, I, I still, like I said earlier, I, I still have to maintain it, you know. But um, it is a, um, it affects all, everybody a little bit differently. But in the end, it was the same kind of pattern. Often, um, some of those suicides aren't counted because drug and alcohol was involved. And so the, the numbers are very feasibly on the lower end instead of um, actually what, what, what the numbers should be. So while, uh, Dr. Rossiti, we're listening to your husband talk about his experiences, for you as a clinician, your experiences, how, how do you navigate them? Well, I, I see quite a few um, vets in, in my practice. And then, of course, as, as Mark's wife, you know, I, I, I have my own personal experiences. Um, for me, I, I, I see very much what, what Mark just spoke about. Um, you know, that survivor's guilt is, is really, really present. Um, I hear so many different times people having um, nightmares or flashbacks right of the moments prior and really wanting to have done something different and wanting to change the story, right? And, and or having that, that feeling like something bad was going to happen prior to that. So for, for me, um, in practice, I do what's called EMDR. Um, and so therapy-wise, you know, I've gotten very, very specific training as far as what therapy modalities really, really work with veterans. Um, I, I, I also have a lot of, you know, non-veterans that have PTSD. Um, I have a lot of domestic violence survivors. I also have quite a few rape survivors that come seek me out, um, where we do very, very specific therapy to really address that. And to be able to heal as much as possible so that this way they can have a full life and really enjoy those moments in that life as much as possible. Mark, while you were uh, in the Army, feeling the range of feelings that some of which you've described here today, did you seek out clinical assistance for yourself? Did you seek out a mental health clinician? Was that an available option for you? Uh, yes, I did, uh, very reluctantly. Um, and um, I say this because at this point, I, re I was already a field grade officer. Um, there, there are consequences, uh, whether we, we care to admit it or not, there are consequences for coming forward and saying, hey, I have a problem. Uh, people lose their clearances, people lose their jobs. Uh, that this is uh, this does happen, 
Um, but I, I, I did go. I saw a, um, I saw the wrong kind of counselor. Um, he was not a, um, he was, he wasn't the person that I needed to seek out. He was a person who would dispense pills, but had very little interaction, very little counseling. Um, and that was my first experience. It was a horrible experience with it, with a uh, my first uh, provider, not knowing what I don't know. Of course, you know you're you're thinking that this this person is trained in this in these things, and he wasn't. Um, he uh, uh, like happens a lot of times in doctors' offices. He just sat at his computer screen and uh, talked over his shoulder the whole time. Uh, so it was you know. So once you see that, the first first contact with help is that, and you're saying I'm done. There's there's you know, um, but uh, I, I would later find out much later that uh, that was the wrong kind of person to seek out, uh, not only as a clinician, but as a as a uh, bedside manner type, you know. Um, and uh, when I found the right kind of provider, that someone that I can connect with, someone I felt comfortable with, then the our sessions were, were incredible. They, they were really um, intense, uh, but therapeutic. So, you know, it, it's important to uh, not to give up on the very first impression with one of the providers. If you're not comfortable with that provider, find one that, you're, that you will be comfortable with. That's you know, I, I think that's such important advice, and I think that often it's really hard to follow through on that advice, particularly if you're dealing with trauma. And then, you know, in some respects, you can be traumatized by the interaction with the clinician who's not a good fit. And then you really don't want to go back and seek out anybody for anything. Correct. And PTSD is a disease of avoidance to begin with. So you're 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 hiding it, and 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 you don't want people to know. And you know we all have that one grandfather or somebody in our family that says, "Oh, he went to the war. When he came back, he wasn't the same." But he doesn't like to talk about it much. Well, that's PTSD. And that's that's exactly what uh, what we're discussing here. And um, so yeah, so already as it is, you're trying to avoid. Uh, any kind of um, uh, anything that has, makes you remember or anything that makes you uh, relive those moments that you're you're trying to shy away from. Uh, so already as it is, it's a huge step to go seek care. But then when you seek care and it's not the right kind of care, is is the right wrong fit? You can imagine that it's like the perfect excuse. Well, I'm done. I don't want. I don't need to see anybody else. I I got it. You know that sort of thing. Dr. Rossidi, from your experience as a clinician, I, I know you can speak to those listening who have had similar experiences. You know, when by the time somebody shows up at your office, for the most part, something has happened to trigger the visit, whether it was trauma or not. Something happens. You know, with therapy, it, it, it definitely isn't a magic wand. It it really isn't. It, it takes time. It takes... Um, it takes experience, and really you, you have to journey through some ugliness. But with the right therapist, we can really, really significantly reduce your symptoms and your triggers. And, you know, life can really become very joyous, and you, you can really experience those different things that you've been so triggered by and you know, where where you haven't really engaged anymore in those different things. You know, many people really fear crowds or they fear dating. They fear being around new people. 
um, they they fear um, things like going to the mall or you know just really enjoying those things that they used to really enjoy because they're they're so triggered by it that the whole experience just turns into this mass of anxiety and they you know they really fear things that that are really very neutral or not not fear inducing to anyone else Dr. Sonia Rossidi, Mark Rossidi, author of I Just Want to See Trees, A Journey Through PTSD. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. Mark and and Sonia, before we talk about the organization that the two of you have founded, I I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to speak about another member of your family, and that would be Douglas. (laughs) Absolutely. Douglas has been and still is a, a wonderful, wonderful companion. You know, we we adopted him from the shelter in uh, in Hawaii. Uh, there was very little information about him, other than he had been in fights and that he was uh, kind of a big dog. You know, he he has a part pit bull and ridgeback, so he's kind of a hundred pounds of solid muscle. And uh, at first, I was a little 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 worried about this big guy, but um, I fell in love with him instantly. You know, I walked into his cage. I sat down next to him or close to him and uh, he got up he walked around and then he sat next to me again uh, or closer and then he just leaned on me which i thought was was just hard i said this is douglas i found douglas <laughs> sounds so like a match <laughs> that's my boy right there and uh, i took him home he's been the best dog ever i mean he has such a great temperament he is such a sweetheart um he, he sleeps by my side and uh uh, oftentimes, when I'm having a nightmare, he'll get up and put his cold nose right on my neck and wake me up instantly. Uh, nobody taught him to do this. This is something he does. It is amazing. Tell us about uh, healing wounds. What What is that, and, and what caused the two of you to come together to create that? Well, you know, a lot of it came because we're, we kept on seeing these numbers rise about uh, veterans and, and uh, people who are committing suicide. And we wanted to do something. We wanted to somehow mitigate it. With, with our Healing Wounds uh, nonprofit organization, we want, we, tried to want, we want to mitigate that number. We want to help in some way to, to uh, one suicide is too many, right? So anything that we can do to, to help out. And, and I know there's a lot of folks like us out there that are they're wanting to do something. Um, and um, so that's that's what we do. We we uh, we raise awareness. We fund a um, a motorcycle ride. We we do uh, raise funds that way. Uh, our our goal is to um, set up a scholarship uh, for someone who is um, serious and studying in the field of 
a psychology or a clinical social work or somebody who is uh, interested in trauma. Um, of course, if there's a pay forward, <laughs> they have to volunteer at the VA or at a trauma center um, for um, um, for a period of time and such. But, um, but that's really what we're trying to do uh, and bring awareness and dispel myths, a lot of myths about PTSD. How does one access healing wounds? Very good question. So our our website is healingwounds.org. I I have to thank both uh, you, Mark Rossidi, and your wife, Dr. Sonia Rossidi, for joining us today here on MindTalk, and and certainly for I Just Want to See Trees, A Journey Through PTSD, an International Book Awards finalist. Congratulations, Mark, on that. And I can't recommend this enough um, for the reasons that we've certainly been talking about today. I Just Want to See Trees, A Journey Through PTSD. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. You can listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to myND. T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. You can download the free MindTalk app from iTunes or Google Play. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to comment on today or any other program, please send an email to Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at MindTalk.org. Again, that's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And folks, remember always, if it's unacceptable, It's unacceptable. You take care. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.